I I know the story. I think I know the story. All right. Is this in, like half of this story happened to me, but like the really good part happened to my dad. Well, like it all kind of flows together. I don't know, you'll see what I'm telling. Oh. Oh, he's teasing us with it. You see, he just gave us like the te- the teaser trailer. With Chris and Eric, I'm Chris. Oh, I'm Eric. <laughs> uh, we're here with Brandon. Hi. Um, so we are doing a, you know, All My Ghosts is a podcast where we talk about more than just ghosts. We talk about anything that's creepy and paranormal. And this is our first episode where we're not actually talking about ghosts. We may end up talking about ghosts at some point, but we're not coming into this talking about ghosts. We're talking about what? Um, so, usually at the beginning of an episode, we chit-chat a little bit to get to know you a little better, and what we just learned is that you cross and cosplay, which I did not know. Um, so tell us a little more about yourself. Who are you? What makes you tick? What's your deepest, darkest secret? (laughs) We've never asked that. What are you talking about? We asked that... Every episode. We definitely don't ask that. I don't remember that. I might have asked it in the one you weren't here for, but oh, I don't remember. Oh, of course, the one, the one I wasn't here for. I, I forgot. I'm sorry. Anyway, tell us a little bit about yourself. Anything that you don't care about the internet knowing, um, and just okay, you know, so um, we can know you a little better. The internet knows most things about me. Uh, <laughs> well, I live in Georgia. I am an elementary school teacher. And I don't know. I know you guys through Twitter, and um, I don't know what else to say. What are the what? What else should I say, Chris? I, I what? I mean, what gives you joy in life? Uh, teaching, obviously. What grade do you teach? Uh, I don't know if teaching gives me joy. <laughs> That's why I quit. <laughs> <laughs> um. I teach fourth and fifth grade special ed. Okay. Children with moderate, severe, and profound intellectual disabilities. And so um, I've been doing that for nine years because, as we established earlier, I'm old. Hell yeah, you are. I'm going to revel in that fact for the next hour. So, um, so old man medley here has some stories to tell us. No. Let me tell you. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Um, yeah, so having come from the education field, I can understand that it, it gives you joy, but it may not be like the joy of your life sometimes, especially uh, with summer vacation around the corner. So, Yeah, in which I will teach summer school. Ooh, I, I loved summer school. I taught it every year. I actually don't mind summer school. Um, you know, I can wear shorts and t-shirt, and I roll in at eight thirty. I'm out of there about one thirty, and we only go four days a week for the month of June, so it's not bad. We did it in. Um, I got to wear jeans every day, which was a plus. But we also did it in um, like forty-five minute blocks. So when we do All My Ghosts, we we normally talk about ghosts, but it's not exclusive to ghost stories. You're going to be talking about UFOs. What what do you personally believe in and not believe in? Across the board. Like... Across the board? Yeah. Like, are you asking me my religious background? No, 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 no. We we don't care about that. Um, (laughs) Is there, like, something that you think is, like, really far-fetched or something that you definitely don't believe in, like Bigfoot or, like, Lizard Man or Mothman or something? Um, Or are you pretty open to everything like As a teenager, I had the Mulder I Want to Believe poster in my bedroom. And I think that's still true. I want to believe in all of it. Um, I like that. Depending on 
the day you catch me or which story you're telling me. I may or may not believe in it, but I want to believe. I would like to believe in everything. I don't believe in Bigfoot, but... (laughs) See, I really want to believe in Bigfoot. Uh, I'm not sure if I do, but I really want to. Um... I grew up in, actually I still live, I ended up living back in my hometown, um, in a small rural town in southwest Georgia. Um, can you hear me? Because I'm not hearing you. We're listening. Neither of us are making a sound. Okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) You were making a I know. I was trying to say me too, because two years ago I moved back to my hometown. Okay. Well, um... I finished school in 2008 when the economy went in the toilet. I moved home for a while, um, became a substitute teacher, which led to me becoming a teacher. And anyway, I live in a small town. There are 800 people here. Now, I live near a bigger town, which is where I teach. But um, I grew up on a farm, and this will actually be relevant to the story later. Um, I grew up not too far from where... Hogzilla was killed, if you remember Hogzilla. What's a Hogzilla? No, please tell us what that is, I don't know what that is. It was this giant hog, wild hog, that some guys killed. I'm in southwest Georgia, this is like an hour and a half east of me in southeast Georgia, near Waycross. Um, There was like a National Geographic special. If you look up Hogzilla, you'll find pictures of it. It's this giant wild hog. Um, Oh, it's not really a cryptid. It's just a really big-ass hog. So it's not like a demon um, or anything? No. I mean, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) I'm I'm Googling right now. I live in a place that there's lots of wild and crazy wildlife and shit. And it's it's a crazy place. And so it kind of leads me to... um, be open to more things like Bigfoot. Um, I think I believe in most. Um, you know, I grew up in the middle of Southern Baptist Church here, in Be- and we didn't even call it the Holy Spirit. We called it the Holy Ghost, which always sounded scary and cool to me. Um, <laughs> I agree. And, um, so, you know, like, and they would talk about demons and all this kind of stuff. And so while I moved away from that vein of belief as an adult, like, I'm sure, you know, that's still part of who I am, having grown up with all that. And so, like, I'm still like, yeah, tell me about some demons. Tell me about some demon possession. Tell me about ghosts. Tell me about... Um, this creature lives in bed, you know, Art Bell died recently, and I can remember listening as a kid up to a few years ago as an adult, listening to Coast to Coast AM, hearing these stories about ghosts and monsters and cryptids and UFOs and other conspiracy theories. Now, I don't go so far into the conspiracy theory realm, but I, I am open to believing, to answer your question, Whatever. I know that makes me sound crazy sometimes. No, not a, not not to us. Maybe to other people who are going to listen, but not to us. Um, I am am similar in the sense that I I have not necessarily that I want to believe in everything, but like I I've only even ever like been out of the country once. So who am I to say that something's real or not real? Or I mean with going into the topic of our of our episode tonight like space is huge space is is maybe infinite because we don't know or maybe we do because i don't work at nasa but like we don't know what's out there we i think it's depressing if we are the only things out there that's sad not to over not to over intellectualize this conversation but um I went to graduate school at a seminary, and so I had to read a bunch of theology stuff. And there's a guy named Rudolf Otto, who's one of these German theologians, who wrote a book called The Idea of the Holy. The what of the holy? The Idea of the Holy. And he talks about this phrase, he calls it the numinous, and it's basically just the unexplainable. Um, He says, you know, at some point, man, like, developed into the idea of God. Um, 
or or other stories um but that the numinous is a real thing the numinous is something that's not necessarily of this world of this physical realm and so that humans have developed and okay Disclaimer, it's been 10 plus years since I read this, so I may be misremembering it slightly. Because you're old. Basically, the idea that there is something that's not of this world that's real, that humans are in tune with to some degree, and we find some ways to explain it. I can get behind that. I mean, that's that's like vaguing it up a little bit, I think, but um, I can get behind that idea. Especially if I'm... Well, he traces up then, like, the idea of the holy becomes religion. But, like, he talks about, like, especially in pre-modern cultures, they would become these stories of creatures or ghosts and different things. Like the Kraken. I'm, I That just came yeah. off the top of my head, I don't know. But, um... No, I think... I specifically talking about werewolves in the book. Oh, oh, see, and werewolves are one of the things that I'm, like, on the fence on. Actually, like, I would say that's at the top of my probably not list, but... I was the one that like, no, those aren't real. But are they? Again, I want to believe, but I've never seen or read or heard anything that made any convincing argument that werewolves are real. Whereas ghosts, UFOs... Even Bigfoot to a lesser degree, I can be like, maybe. Thank you. No. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm actually just sitting here thinking, like, um, dinosaurs are real, but they're extinct. So what if back in... I mean, unless you're, like, an evangelical, then yes, they're real. Um, but, like, no offense to any inf- evangelicals who are listening, but... Well, I just think that, like, if dinosaurs were real, then, like, maybe werewolves were real, and they're just all dead now. That sounds so stupid when I say it out loud, but, I mean, think about it. <laughs> I'm willing to give you that. <laughs> I like to think that dragons were probably real at some point. Dinosaurs were basically dragons. And unicorns. And I hope unicorns. <laughs> I, um, like you can literally just make a horse into a unicorn by taping a horn to its head. Like, come on. No, there's far more. Yeah, than well, there was a Facebook article about how unicorns are real, but they were much dangerous in person. I don't know if it's true, but it was on Facebook article about unicorns being real but basically through errors in translation they were actually describing rhinoceros i can see that <laughs> i mean um, this is before cameras this is before snapchat like you don't know like you just had to write it down in a book like sure still, i think you probably needed somebody with better writing skills if you're confusing your descriptions are confusing rhinoceros with but think about it you're like there's this big animal like a horse and it's got a horn on its head that's a that's a rhino <laughs> or a unicorn rhino is not really that much like a horse the rhinos are the same thing what would you compare it to though if you if you had a limited view of the world and you know, know live like an elephant Maybe they've never seen an elephant. What do you said? Have you ever seen a rhino in person? They're huge. They're way bigger than a horse. I mean, I've been to a zoo. Well, yeah, I mean, same thing. We're like a hair, but then covered in hair. Oh yeah, horses do have hair. I've seen more rhinos than I've seen horses. I think. Um, Where do you live? Um. Okay, so diving back in. I think it's just how I want to believe. You want to believe. I want to believe. Eric, I think, does believe or wants to believe in everything. Uh, I do. You do believe. Um, I think, you know what I think would be really cool? Mermaids. And I think they're out there. I feel like I don't believe that at all, but it would be cool. I think there's a form of them. Not like Ariel and the Little Mermaid, but there's something. 
You know how like, big the ocean like, is? Or something. What? Like some type of fish with like hair or something. That's gross. <laughs> no, um... <laughs> I really just, no, that's the most reasonable thing for it. There's a fish with a light bulb on its head. That's all I'm saying. Um, jumping into your your experiences with UFOs, you said a lot of them were kind of your dad's stories that you're telling. But what have you like? Tie it all together with what you've experienced as well. Okay. So, I grew up on a farm in Southwest Georgia, and my grandfather. I grew up next door to my grandparents. Um, they lived at the top of the hill. We lived at the bottom of the hill. We were all on the same farm. And my grandfather bought that farm when my dad was a baby. So this was 1957. Um, and the story really starts with him. Throughout the years... And from time to time, he said it would be more active than others. My grandfather would see these various lights in the sky. And that's, I'll leave the description at that for now. The coolest story I'm going to skip over and come back to. Okay. Because it happens in, my dad and grandparents could never give me an exact date that it happened sometimes sometime between when my parents were first married in 1976 and when my older sister was born in 1980 um so sometime in the late 70s okay but i'm gonna skip forward to now to 1993 this is a non-linear story that's now that's not now that's the year i was in kindergarten by the way i'm sorry not now i was 10 and um, okay, so I grew up on a farm that our primary cash crop was tobacco. Um, so you're s- total Georgia, okay. Yeah, oh, this is South Georgia. I live an hour from the Florida line. Okay. Less than an hour from the Florida line. Um, like, I'm an hour and a half from Tallahassee, Florida. If that tells you anything. Um, in maps. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe to the listeners, that'll mean something. Um, But Southwest Georgia, the summer, we don't get a lot of rain. So that's the time when tobacco is growing and you need to make sure it's watered so you would irrigate. Now, nowadays, most farmers have what's called pivot irrigations, which is this, I don't know. The big metal things? this will make sense but it's like these huge things that stay in the field all the time and can kind of run on their own yeah we have those in indiana and it'll irrigate the field like it walks across the field slowly we didn't have that back then um so what we had to do was and this was my job starting at age seven because my dad like my two sisters would get to stay home i would have to go work on the farm (laughs) because gender um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, we're getting into some child time. labor laws here by the way but go ahead um none of it applies to your work on family farm because trust me i tried to find out when i was a kid <laughs> <laughs> but so there's like these 15 to 20 foot pipes and they hook up to each other and so you would like lay them across the field so you would lay pipe across the field uh. <laughs> like, they, they, you know you twist them in and, and you lock them in and lock them so then they're and they're like going to a pond and so there's a motor back at the pond that pumps water up out of the pond through the pipes to basically a giant sprinkler um called the traveler and it would be this giant spring that goes in a circle, and but you would take your tractor and stretch out the, a cable so that this, the irrigation gun was left at one end of the field. And then you would stretch out the cable so at the other end of the row of the field is where you'd leave the tractor. There'd be a cable. You'd turn on the water. It would pump water through, and slowly through the night the traveler as you called the irrigation gun would like roll up the cable so that it pulled itself to the tractor 
So ideally, you leave the irrigation going overnight so that it has the, the sun doesn't evaporate the water and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know you start it before dark. It's at one end of the field, the opposite end of the field from the tractor. When you get up the next morning, it's right next to the tractor. It knows when to stop? Well, it just stops. You have to go turn it off. You have to time it, which is why someone had to go every few hours and make sure that it was still working correctly. Like they'd have to like travel through the field and like go check on it? Yeah, you have to leave the house, go to the field, make sure that it didn't get stuck because sometimes it might get stuck and not be moving and so it just drowned out all the crops in that one spot. I will tell you right now, ever since uh, the Goosebumps episode, the Scarecrow stalks at midnight, I'm terrified of fields of any kind. Or signs. Signs? Yeah. Oh, the movie signs. I thought you meant like street signs. I'm glad I can hear Eric because I couldn't see him at all this whole time. I've been talking. I was afraid he couldn't hear me. So, any question about how irrigation works? <laughs> That's exactly... Uh, can you tell me it again? <laughs> yeah, could you go, could you start from the beginning? Basically, my point in explaining it, it was just that to make sure it's all working correctly, someone had to go out every right. hour or two throughout the night and check on it. So far, that's the scariest part of this whole thing. Like, I would not be that person. Children okay. of the corn. Children of the tobacco. <laughs> um, uh, and I don't want to hear any shit about, like, tobacco. I, yeah, I know tobacco is bad. I mean, the tobacco industry was bad. T- tobacco itself isn't bad. It's all the other stuff, right? Yeah, and, like, that was a big thing. But, you know, it paid my bills growing up, and it's how my family survived. And Live, live your life. That in the early 2000s, enough of that. So, when I, like, I started working on the family farm. Like I said, when I was seven, I knew how to drive a tractor, and my dad would leave me setting up this irrigation by myself. Like, I would, like, take one end of the pipe off the trailer, take the other end of the pipe, hook it up, do a few of those, like, drag the pipes around, then pull the tractor out. I think about he would start it up. He and I would go, and, and in the summertime when I had to go to school, like, I would stay up because I thought it was cold, and I'd, like, go farm with my dad. And so I would, like, go with him until I couldn't stay awake any longer and then I'd go to bed and get up early the next morning and work but there was one night and it, it felt late then but it was probably like 10.30 or 11 but near 10 it feels that feels like the middle of the night um, but my grandparents lived in a house at the top of the hill we lived in a house at the bottom of the hill or further down the hill and then at the very bottom of the hill is a creek with trees and woods around it. Um, my grandfather, my papa, had a um, chair like sitting on the porch that faced our house, and he would always be sitting out there. And there were a few other chairs, and it was common for us to like sit on the porch and talk with papa. And um, so did you guys I, drink like sweet tea? And... <laughs> we did actually. <laughs> Sweet tea and oatmeal cookies. <laughs> oh, that's the life. Um, that was, and Papa would call it knickknacks when we had it later. <laughs> wait, um, wait, Papa, Papa would call it what? Knickknacks. Okay. When you, when you snack late at night, he was like, it's time for knickknacks. That is, um, stealing it. That's mine now. We'd go get little oatmeal cookies that came in a bag by Murray brand and yeah, my grandma I, has those too oh yeah see only old people who are in the, they don't make that brand anymore but there's there's like a store brand that makes them that I had a few years ago and I bought them like my, my grandpa passed in 2005 so this is like 2012 I probably um, shortly before I got married um, I bought these cookies and like I brewed some sweet tea, even though I never drink sweet tea now. And, like, but I had them together, and I started crying. That's understandable, <laughs> though. Me so- um, but if if I ever spent the night at their house, we would sit inside. We didn't usually knick-knack on the porch. We would do it inside when I spent the night at their house. Um, we'd also have fudge ripple ice cream, which you never see in the stores anymore. It <laughs> was a big thing back then. Is that literally just, like, chocolate and vanilla ice cream? 
it's it's vanilla ice cream with like a ribbon of fudge syrup. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, I got you. Comes in like the big gallons. Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, exactly yeah. the bucket, the bucket. Yeah, with a handle. <laughs> oh, oh man! Oh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Which bin my grandmother would save to store other things in? Oh um, yeah. Like she did cool whipples. And butter. Or done. My grandmother's still alive. Uh, she still does those things. <laughs> um, but anyway, so it was about 10, 30, or 11. My dad and I were coming back from the field checking on the irrigation. Now, I had grown up hearing stories from both my grandfather and my dad about seeing strange lights in the sky. Um, usually... It would be when they were out in the middle of the night checking on the irrigation, which is why I spent so much time explaining irrigation. When you say um, strange lights, do you mean like twinkly or like hovery or? Uh, You'll get there. Rush, <laughs> um, yeah. My one time experience is I was ten, um, possibly eleven. I try to remember this, but I feel like it was definitely the summer of 93, which would have made me 10. Um, but, like I said, my grandparents lived at the top of the hill. Our house was a little further down the hill, and the bottom of the hill, so this is like probably 100 yards away, um, is a creek with trees over it. We're sitting on the porch talking to Papa, because Papa still managed the farm. My dad worked for my Papa. I worked doing whatever they could have a 10-year-old do. Um, so, like, it was not uncommon for my grandpa and my dad to converse and talk about what was going on. So he had called us over to talk about whatever, and we were all sitting out there on the chairs on the back porch, but we're facing down around my house. And beyond my house, we see these orange lights... They're circular. They're not huge, but, you know, they're definitely bigger than a star. Um, but there's probably four or five of them. Were they, the like... first one comes off. Were they, like, distance-wise, did they feel closer than, like... Were they, like, airplane close, or... Like were, Wait, what? They looked like they were just the tree line. Okay. And so the tree line was about 100 yards away. These, these looked like they were hovering above the trees. Um, they were fairly bright. And, you know, distance-wise, they were probably not, not directly above the trees, but they, you know, when you're looking at a distance, they looked like they were just above the trees. Um, it started with one, and then another lit up next to it. And then another on the other side of it. So then now we have three in a row. And then another and another. So then ultimately there were five in a, in a row. And they all flashed once. Synchronous. And then they kind of all went off. And around this time we all are kind of like, did you see that? And I remember my papa saying like, yeah, I've seen those before. Like, this is nothing yeah. new to Papa. Yeah, I mean, like, he had not, like, he was still fascinated by it, but, like, he had seen these before. He's like, those are the lights I've talked about before. Oof. And I feel like my dad may have seen these same ones before at that point, but I can't remember that part. Um, I was going to try to ask him before I did this video tonight, but I didn't get a chance to call him. Um, but then they lit up again, but they were in a different formation. So they had moved. They had moved. And I don't remember the exact formation, but this happened several times where they would flash, and then they would move. So they did, like, where they were lined up, you know, horizontally. They lined up vertically. They lined up in various shapes. Um, And then sometimes they weren't even in any kind of pattern. They were just all around. Oof. So, like, that right there is, is, is very much, like... Because my first thought was I grew up um, not too far from, like, a military base. And, like, they would shoot flares into the sky. And, like, one would pop up and then another would pop up and another would pop up. Um, and 
it it reminded me like of oh like maybe it could have been flares flying into the sky but they didn't flash they didn't relocate themselves so i don't i don't know yeah this was really weird i remember like i was covered in goosebumps you know i was 10 this was 25 years ago um but i still can very much visualize this in my head um I was a kid that was obsessed with the idea of UFOs. Like I watched Unsolved Mysteries every week. Um, this was just bef- this would have been the summer before the X Files started, but I remember when that started. I was obsessed with it. Well, no, and here's the thing. Um, so growing up, my dad used to tell me, like my dad, I my dad would have these like stories, and my dad would always tell me that every night aliens would aliens not aliens aliens would um land outside our house and come inside while we were sleeping and steal our socks because socks were like fuel for their spaceship and that like he thought it was like oh ha 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 funny story i was terrified of this this would have terrified me because like i said i was fascinated with the ufos and aliens but i was also terrified of them more than Freddy Krueger or ghost stories or anything else that was like a thing that the kids were scared of at that time. Yeah. Aliens and UFOs scared me. Um, you guys might be too young to know who Whitley Stryber was. Never heard that name in my life. Okay. Whitley Stryber, in probably like 88 or 89, published this book called Communion, which was made into a movie with, I think, Christopher Walken in it. Also, um, maybe an alien, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it was also, like, the first thing I remember, at least, that really popularized the aliens, the the greys with the slanted eyes and all. Like, that was the cover of the book, was, like, this half an alien's face with a slanted eye. And my older sister had gotten a copy from my uncle, and she thought it was hilarious to terrify me. I was so scared of this. They had, like... Dateline or 2020 or whatever kind of news magazine shows specials where they would interview him. Like basically, Whitley Stryber claimed this book was nonfiction. Now, later he admitted that he made it up, if I remember correctly. But like basically, he claimed that he had been abducted, actually. He claimed that he'd been abducted, and so like, I remember the story. And then he had a follow up book that I can't remember the name of, where basically, like, his tales of what happened when he was abducted so he claimed to remember it all and yeah my old older sister would like do this with her eyelid and i would run out of the room screaming and for the listeners like i basically just like took my eyelid and slanted it up like an alien um yeah oh eric you're scary that is really scary because your eyes are really dark on my screen so it looks like you just like have black slanted eyes (laughs) Um, maybe I'm an alien. An alien. Alien. <laughs> um, so, like, seeing these lights in the sky, like, it wasn't just like, oh, there's lights in the sky, what could that be? Like, I was primed and ready to be like, those are aliens. Well, and I mean, like... <sighs> Not, I mean, again, I always, I not, mm. <laughs> every now and then I like to play the devil's advocate and say like, oh no, it could have been this, it could have been that, but like, what kind of explanation is there for, I mean, I don't, I, I'm guessing it was a very rural area. Um, well, I was going to ask like, what, like, was your house by itself? Was there anything behind your house or around your house? Was it like in the middle of nowhere on some dark road? It's a dark country road. Like I said, I lived on a farm. There was a... Like, these were showing up at least seemingly in the sky right over a creek. Um, with a wooded area around it. Okay. Um, now... For me, it's an alien. Well, I mean, like, how far outside of, like, a town were you? An hour to the southeast of us. But... But we never saw things fly over during the daytime or anything. And, like, this would not act like any military thing I'm aware of. Um, Like I said, it was flashing lights. They were, like, the color of a caution light, so that orange color. Mm -hmm. Um, When you've heard of, um, have you heard of, like, the Phoenix lights? 
Yes. And so, like, would you compare it... For people who don't know, the Phoenix Lights, I think, happened in 1997, uh, or around that time. It was uh, thousands of pe- people in Arizona witnessed these this light formation over Phoenix. And, like, yeah, to this I day... correctly, the Phoenix Lights were, like, kind of in a triangular yeah. shape. Yeah. That were moving. Like, they always stayed, like... It was basically, like, the light surrounding an object. Yes, like... And your, yours were not like that. Mine were not. They were almost like separate objects that were in communication with each other. And you said they were always in a straight line, right? No. Um, oh, they weren't. At they the started end. in a horizontal line. They, I remember at one point them being in a vertical line, but at one point they were in like kind of a pyramid shape or triangle shape. And one time they kind what? of a diamond shape. Like, they changed shapes several times, like five or six times. And, like, we're all just standing there. It's my dad, my grandfather, and me. And we're all staring at it. We're all kind of like, do you, do you see that? Yeah, yeah, you see that, you know? And see, and well, my family, uh, uh, once it was me and once it was my dad and my sister, but uh, there's been twice where we have, like I say we as a family, have had... Uh, seen something similar to, to those types of, of stories. So, like, I, growing up, I lived out in the middle of nowhere. We had cornfields on three of, like, the four sides of our house, and uh, we didn't work the farm or anything. But uh, I remember one night my sister worked until, like, midnight, and she came home and, like, woke everybody up, and she was like, there's weird lights outside. We have to go. We have to go see this. Um, I didn't get to go because I was, I think, 11, and I, you know, did not work on a farm, so I had to stay home. But, um, so my dad and my sister went driving, and they followed these lights that were in a formation together and were moving really slowly. Um, they were moving really slowly, and they followed them on this, like, country road until they stopped, and then just, like stopped moving and then went down behind trees and never came back up. Um, so, like, they're convinced, they were like, well, what what moves like that? Like, airplanes take off and land. This, like, was moving, stopped, went down. That's like an not, elevator. That, yeah, then I have goosebumps right now just recalling the story and listening to your story. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Well, and this, like, the, the second one... Read of years, like, different things that people, you know, that are commonly mistaken for UFOs. Yeah. But nothing that I have learned about, at least. I'm always willing to say, like, that there could be a more logical explanation. Like I said, I want to believe, but I don't believe just because. Um but nothing I I've read about say, like, at point. I just want to say, if you Google Georgia light sightings, there's a ton of hits and UFO stories on Google about sightings um, in Georgia. Just saying. Do, do you ever I'm look it up? You said this. Eric, I'm glad you said this because that reminds me of something I'll get to after I tell the next part of my story. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, no, no. I'm glad. I didn't even think to Google it. So. Essentially, you said that um, there's something I have in a book that kind of confirms. Confirms. Jimmy Carter was the Jimmy and that's almost simultaneous with the story that I'm going to tell that my granddad and my dad experienced before I was born. UFO sightings caught on tape. ABC.com. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on Georgia here. We've got our little like yeah. investigative yeah. journalist down here. <laughs> If you read this closely, it's all southwest Georgia near me. Like, Jimmy Carter lives about an hour north of me. Is Jimmy Carter still alive? Yes, he's 92. Okay. Just talking about him earlier tonight. Um, So what's, okay, what is part two, or I guess part one, or the prequel of of what you witnessed? What did your, what did your pop, 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 wait, who is it? Aliens. Aliens. Okay, so picture it. South Sicily, nineteen twenty-two. Exactly. <laughs> what? Uh, seventy something. That was a Golden Girls reference. Um, 
I have tried over the years to get every witness of the story to give me an exact date. They never can. The closest I've ever gotten was that it was between the time my parents got married, which would have been September 1976, to when my dad had kids, which my older sister was born in 1980. Okay. So it's either, but it's in the summertime, so it wouldn't have been summer of 1976, so it's either 77 through 79. So sometime in there. Um, again, I explained how irrigation worked earlier and that somebody had to go check it constantly. Um, so my dad, what would happen is my dad and my grandfather would alternate nights so that they could, somebody could sleep while the other person would go check the irrigation. Um, and so it was my dad's turn. And this happened, he said... It was after midnight, but not super late in the night. So I am always guess like probably 1 a.m. or something like that. Um, he goes to the field. It was what we call our backfield, which is like I grew up like on one main farm, but we own three farms that somewhere down the road. And um, but anyway, so this is like the back half of our property, which was a couple of hundred acres. So still a good distance from home. Um, but he goes to the field where the irrigation is, he pulls up into the row, he shines his headlights in his truck onto the, the irrigation gun, and it goes in a circle like a sprinkler would. So it's pumping out pond water on you, you know, until it turns the other way. And it takes a while to make the circle. So when you go up to it, you wait for it to turn away from you so you don't get wet. So you have a full rotation. So, yeah. Yeah. So, like, when he pulls up, it's, like, pointed on him. So he's sitting in the truck with the truck running, the headlights on the irrigation gun so he can see what's going on. And he's waiting for it to make the rotation. Um and so this is like 1 a.m., so it's pitch black dark. Like I said, we live far from the city. There's no lights around. But he said that all of a sudden the sky lit up like daylight is always the phrase he uses. Um. Um, now, he has told me this story multiple times of the years. Nowadays, he will say that this sky lit up like daylight, and this is like the extent of it. But I swear that when I was younger, like even as recent as being a teenager, so like 15 years ago, um, he would tell me that the truck went dead. The truck went dead? Yeah, so like close encounters of the third kind type shit. Um, Like the headlights go off everything and that the sky is lit up. He's looking up in the sky. He says it's like this great ball of fire almost. And, um, like, but it's like moving slowly over, um, but very low to the ground, very bright. And like, he's just staring at it and he's, you know, scared out of his mind. And, um, again, like I said, in some versions of the story, he'll tell the truck went dead. More recently, when I've asked him about it in the last few years, he'll say, no, I don't remember that happening. Um, but anyway, the truck may or may not have went dead, but there's this great ball of fire lighting up the sky, traveling slowly over the field. Um, and now if this were me, I would have probably stared at it like he did. And then like drove as fast as I could away. Unless the truck wouldn't start. Yeah, true. (laughs) But like he says that once it passed and then like, sky went back to normal like the truck worked um again if that happened to me i would have gotten out of there as fast as i fucking could um he of course is not like a normal person he went on and checked the irrigation like normal of course <laughs> gets in the truck leaves still looking around he's like trying to figure out what happened but can't really explain it he goes back home and now there are some tobacco barns between my at this time between my parents house which would later be my house and my grandparents house um but as he's like getting out of his truck he hears my grandfather 
calling his name. And my grandpapa's out on the porch, like I was talking about in that earlier story. And he calls my dad over. They sit on the tailgate of my papa's truck. So they're looking back towards the distance of the backfield where this happened at. And my grandpa asked him about, was everything all right? Was the irrigation okay? Like, they talk about what they have to do tomorrow. They make all this, like, normal, everyday talk. But it's not normal for them both to be up and outside and talking at 1 a.m. or whatever time yeah. it was. And finally, after, like, 15 or 20 minutes of talking, my papa asked, Did you see this light in the sky? And uh, my dad says, Yeah. Oh, but, yeah, like, I did. I Grandpa and my grandma were both asleep in the bed, and it woke them up. So they... My grandma comes out as well, and they all three have seen this light in the sky. And so, okay, so my question, I guess, and you may not know the answer because this was before you were born, but, like, where do they go from there? Do they just, like, go back to bed and say, like, oh, hope that doesn't happen again tomorrow? Like, they talk about it for a while. Yeah. They talk about it for a while. They all agree it's, like, nothing they've ever seen. They're all creeped out <clears> by <throat> it. But, yeah, pretty much. Like, they say goodnight. My dad walks back down the hill to the house. My mom's there, I guess. Like I said, this is before myself or any of my siblings are born goes to bed my grandparents go to bed now my dad will tell you the next day he woke up and he goes back over there and he looked across our whole property for any kind of plane or anything that might have crashed or made this light and like i said that's the back of our property so it joined on with two other farms he goes to those people's like onto their property and looks around like he's trying to find anything he said he even asked some of the neighbors if they saw it and like nobody else had seen it but my both my grandparents and my dad and you know like you know there's the movie close encounters of the third kind which is what like considered as the trailer for that movie told us, like actual human contact with an alien mm-hmm. or UFO. Um, like what I encountered that I told you about earlier would have been a close encounter of the first kind, as that trailer and UFOologists would say, which is like um, a vision, like a, a sighting of a UFO from a distance. So there's but, no actual like contact, it's just like. Yeah. But if what my dad and my grandparents say is true, like, that would have been a close encounter of the second kind, which, um, according to Wikipedia, looking at the definitions of the encounters, is a UFO event in which a physical effect effect is alleged, including the functioning of a vehicle or electronic devices, animals reacting or physiological effects such as paralysis or heat and discomfort in the witness. Um, so uh, I experienced a close encounter of the first kind. Just vis- but, visual. Yes. But my dad and my grandparents have experienced and long told the story of this close encounter of the second kind. Well, and, like, I've never seen Close Encounters of the Third Time. I've seen that one scene that, like, the little kid opens the door and it's, like, the lights are outside. But um, the, what this reminds me of, and the title of it itself plays directly into what you're saying, but in the early, I believe it was the early 90s, there was a movie called Fire in the Sky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't remember all of it. And I remember it scared the bejesus out of me as a kid. But, I mean, the name, Fire in the Sky, is exactly what you were describing. But I'm 99% sure there's a scene in that. And I think the guy gets abducted, but, like, his truck quits in the middle of the road. And, like, he's driving, and this light comes, and, like, his truck just stops. And nothing will start. And, like, that's a common thread amongst UFO-slash-alien stories for decades like oh our vehicle stopped oh we saw this light so my thing is okay let's say nobody knows for sure what it was 
and this goes to the same thing with um, we've talked about shadow people in the past. All of the stories are the same, or at least frighteningly similar. And in the seventies, you didn't have Wikipedia, you didn't have Google, you didn't have social media to spread these stories. So, like, why? If it's not something, why are all of the stories so similar? Yeah. Um. You mentioned Fire in the Sky, and I had meant to mention this, but I had almost forgot, so I'm glad you brought it up. But Fire in the Sky, if I remember correctly, it comes out in 93 or 94, so it's around the same time as my sighting. Yeah. And it's definitely during the time when I'm obsessed with UFOs and kind of getting over my fear of them. Like, I was scared of them, but I always wanted to know more about them. But by the time I'm like 10 or so, I'm not so much scared of them, I'm just really into them and and like I want to see every show as you this would be the, though this is the heyday of Fox doing like their specials on like alien autopsy and mm-hmm. stuff like that um, but I remember Fire in the Sky and it was probably at that point the scariest movie I had ever seen um, I came across where he is having um, like a PTSD moment but he it was when he's returned and it's Robert Patrick playing the man, and he is hiding under a kitchen table, and he's freaking out, and all the other people are like, oh, he's just having a PTSD flashback. But then you look over, and the camera shows to the audience like that there's like these three fingers, like fingerprints sliding down the kitchen window. And I'm, I'm scared to ever see. <laughs> I am like petrified right now. I have seen the movie literally once. I came across it, like, in the movie bin at Walmart for, like, three bucks, and I was going through this bin, and I picked it up and realized what it was and literally, like, threw it because it, like, even seeing the cover, like, the cover of the movie is the guy getting, like, pulled into this light, Yeah. and I saw the cover and just, like, threw it because it just, like, automatically was just terror. Like, I can't handle it. Um, Eric, have you seen this movie? No. Okay. Um, well, I saw it when it first came out, like I said, in the early 90s, and then like sometime in the mid-2000s when the DVD release happened, I watched it again, and I've watched it a few times since then, and it holds up really well, but probably four years ago, the real guy who this story was based on was at Dragon Con. And it's I based on a true TV. story? Yes. Um... And so to hear the real guy, like I said in the panel, and listen to him tell the story, and he had, like, diagrams and stuff he had grown, um, I was terrified. <laughs> like, I had so many goosebumps listening to it. It's even scarier than the movie. <laughs> and, um, like, this is one of those things where I'm like, oh, this happened. I don't want to believe. I believe. <laughs> well, and, like... On the topic of, of movies, um, I don't know how big of a movie it was, but it isn't that old. It's called The Fourth Kind. Oh, yeah, I remember this. And here's the thing. I watched it thinking... Because they really advertised it. They played it up kind of like Blair Witch, saying, like, this is has real footage in it. Um, and then they had, like, uh, Mila Jovovich playing like reenactments of what happened but then they would have like security camera footage and all this stuff and i'm sitting there watching it i can't hear you oh sorry um they had um like they they, yeah they had her playing like in reenactments and but then they had real like security footage and all of this stuff and it it ended up not being real like it was all fake yeah but I, watching it, thought it was real because they said it was real. And, like, it was one of those things that it was so terrifying that I didn't realize it until the movie was over. But, like, I was so scared that I was crying. Like, not, like, boo-hoo crying, but there was, like, water running down my face. That's how terrified I was of this movie. Aliens scare the crap out of me. Like, I don't even know where to go with this. But, like, it was that scary and you should watch it. Or maybe you shouldn't. I don't know. (laughs) Like... I didn't hear the last bit you said, but I've seen most of that movie on HBO once. Um, But by the time I saw it, I knew that, despite their claims that it wasn't real. But the fire in the sky, like I said, I saw it, I was 10 or 11 when I saw it. So, like, I definitely believed it was real. But, like, a lot of movies, especially horror movies, say they're based on a true story. Yeah. 
very loosely based. Yeah. But having seen this guy and heard him tell his story, like, there's way more shit that they could have included in the movie that they didn't. And I'm sure like, he probably didn't have, like, any say in that, but... Yeah, like, he actually, like, put the brakes on a lot of stuff where they could have gone, like... Like, I feel like if they had a bigger budget for special effects, like... In the movie, they show a very small, like, flashback to what happened on the UFO, but most of the movie is about, like, him getting abducted and then, like, what he's like when he comes back. Yeah, because he's changed, Um, right? Yeah. Like, there's very little that actually shows what happened on the ship, but he talked in his panel a lot about what he remembers from the ship, and, um... I have goosebumps right now just talking about it. I, I don't blame you, especially having experienced what you experienced. Um, yeah. My my second, like, encounter was when I was living in Indianapolis, and I was in my backyard, and it was, again, it was another one of those situations where it was like a triangle formation of lights moving, and I immediately thought, oh, my God. Like, I thought about when I was a kid and my sister and dad saw what they saw, and I was like, oh my god, what is this? And then it it stopped, and then it was just not there anymore. And, like, I couldn't get a picture of it, so I remember I, um, like, drew... I had an app, and I drew what it looked like on my phone, and then posted it on Facebook. And several people were like, oh yeah, I saw that too, I have no idea what just happened. But, like, I no, it wasn't on the news or anything, like, I don't know what it was. But, like, the thing was is that it was Triangle... And it was moving really slow, and then it stopped, and just well, it wasn't there anymore. Like, it was gone. Oh my gosh, this actually reminds me of a third story that I'd almost forgotten about. Um, that also didn't happen directly to me. I've just heard the stories that happened to my grandfather and my uncle. Yeah. But not his son. Like, my mom and dad met on the school bus as teenagers. Aww. Um, like, her family lived at the end of the road from where my dad lived, which is the same farm that I grew up on. And um, so her brothers worked for my... So my mom's brothers worked for my dad's dad, my paternal grandfather on the farm when they were teenagers, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, and so my Uncle Wes, who is my mom's younger brother, worked for my my grandpa, um, who is my paternal grandfather. Um, and they taught, they both help, have told me a story about when my Uncle Wes is probably 16, like he's working for my granddad during the summer. This is again during tobacco season. This is during the daytime, actually. Like they're cropping tobacco. But it's during the time, the road I grew up on was paved all my life, but in the 70s it was still a dirt road. Mm -hmm. And so, like, the way they're, it's during the summer when they're actually paving that road, so due to construction, they're having to, like, haul the tobacco from the field to the barn, to put it in the barn to cook, like, a long way out of the way, and they're going down this other dirt road that's kind of a back road, and, um... Like, I know the road to describe it anymore would be meaningless to you. But basically, they're driving down this dirt road with a trailer full of tobacco. It's my grandfather and my uncle, but again, not his son, my uncle from the other side, driving down the road in the middle of the day. It's like 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And they said that, like, in front of them, in the sky, but seemingly low in the sky this object and i've actually had my uncle draw it for me before and when my grandfather was alive he described it the same way they described it as silver but cigar shaped interesting and with like what looked like a door in the middle so it was like that visible yeah um like basically when my uncle drew it like it was like the shape of the cigar with like a rectangle in the center. Um, and he said it was silver colored or metallic colored. But it was just like hovering over the road in the middle of the day. And that they stop 
And I remember my grandfather saying, this is the first time he heard my uncle use a swear word because, you know, he's an uncle's child or a teenager still. And, he's, and my uncle West said, what the hell is that? He and, said hell. Yeah, hell. <laughs> uh, but they both stare and then they stop the vehicle. Like, it doesn't stop. They just stop. And they're running. They watch it until it just vanishes after a few minutes. Or seconds, or whoever knows how long. But they both saw it. They both, like, said, Do you see what I'm seeing? Um, but to go back to what Eric was saying earlier about that there are a lot of UFO sightings in Georgia in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an adult, I got the book Weird Georgia, which. They did the book called Weird USA, and then the guys, the same guys, wrote Weird New Jersey. And yeah, weird... the guys who wrote Weird New Jersey wrote books about all the states. Yeah, we have a weird yeah, Indiana. And then they started in New Jersey, and they did a lot of states. I don't know if they ever did all of them or not. Um, but they, I have theirs of Weird Georgia, and in it, there's like a whole two or three page spread on. The UFO sightings of summer of 1970-something, but sometime in the mid-70s, around the same time when both of these stories would have happened. Um, but there are a lot of stories of UFO sightings, and one of them happened less than three miles. Like, basically, all right, so this is in the same time that Jimmy Carter, when he's governor, either when he's governor of Georgia or shortly before he's governor of Georgia saw his UFO. Um, is Christopher there? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I just popped out. I hit okay. the wrong button. Yeah, I'll swap sides of the screen for a second. Um, this is around the same time that Jimmy Carter sees his UFO, which becomes a subject of debate during his presidential election. Um, but there's several sightings around South Georgia and especially in Southwest Georgia, which is my corner of the state. And like in the book, the final like main story for that that kind of ends the rash of UFO sightings happened on Highway um, 33, I think it is. But basically, wherever it is, it's it's about three miles from my house. Wow. Um, basically, this woman sees a light like hovering over the road but not like up in the sky over the road like a few feet above the road and she sees figures come out of the light what? Yeah. Um, like I'll have to go back and read this to me like she basically sees beings and like this is reported in the news and stuff um, but it kind of ends this rash of UFO sightings that go on over that whole year in this area and i and that make that brings up the question for me of like why was it such a huge occurrence in southwest georgia in the mid 70s like why right then you know what i mean like now yeah i don't know and i've wondered that but I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I told you earlier that my grandfather bought that farm that I grew up on and my parents and my grandmother still live on um, in 1957. But my grandfather, the lights that I saw in 1993, my grandfather claims to have seen those same lights periodically, meaning probably every couple of years since he bought that farm. So weird. That it just seems to have become yeah, I, something so normal for him. Like, oh yeah, yeah I see those. I don't know of an occasion after the sighting in 93 that that happened again. Mm-hmm. He saw, I never heard about it. Um, I moved away in 2002. He died in 2005. So at least, and I didn't see him or talk to him too much between 02 and 05. But between 93 and 02, I don't recall him ever again saying that he saw them. Mm-hmm. But I remember him talking about and telling stories about seeing those same orange lights, usually near the same location, kind of over the creek, making various formations. Like I described that I saw in 93 as a 10-year-old, him seeing them every so often throughout the what would that have been like 40 years Mm -hmm. 
Um, but as far as the main sighting, that big orange light my dad and him saw in the 70s was the biggest one that always creeps me out the most. Yeah, because that's terrifying. Um, I would have been afraid <laughs> for my life. Like, and it sounds like uh, your grandpa was just like, oh, you know, got to finish work and then I'll be scared, which is, you know, the life of a farmer, I guess. But, um, I, I guess, I don't know. I knew from an early age I didn't want to be a farmer. Like, I remember as early as, like, age eight telling my dad, I don't want to do this for a living. I, don't I always know. say that it was because I didn't want to rely on the weather for my little livelihood. Yeah. But maybe it was also because I was terrified of UFOs. <laughs> Secretly, you really wanted to be a farmer, but you were afraid of the UFOs. <laughs> Is the truth out there? It definitely is, but one of the facts we may have to live with is that we may never find out what that truth is. Intelligent life forms may visit Earth and travel the cosmos, or they may be single-celled organisms that will never evolve far enough to understand their own existence, or they may not exist at all. It's up to you, with help from Brandon's stories and experiences, to decide for yourself. Are we alone? Join us September 23rd when we sit down to discuss paganism with our friend and the voice of Clara on Dead Oaks podcast, Aaron Lynn. All My Ghosts is a Dead Oaks production. Music in this episode was Creepy 3, written and performed by Nicholas Crittney. For more information, find us on Twitter at AllMyGhosts, at Christoph underscore Waltz, and at Eric N. Follow Brandon on Twitter at BrandMed. Find us online at www.deadoaksproductions.com. five twitter followers who just dominate my feed whenever like raw is on or whatever it's called now new world order wwf i don't know what it is anymore but like it's just like tweet after tweet after tweet after tweet